This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it, Brittany? My name. My name. Is, <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Holy smokes. This conversation is probably the first of its kind. This conversation is between me and a guy called Dave Gittleson. Dave Gittleson and his dad own an 11,000-acre ranch in northwest Colorado. The same place that the Colorado Wolf Pack has just established. The first place that cows have been taken by wolves. And so I wanted to talk to the rancher that had cows taken by the first wolf pack in Colorado. This is Dave's first podcast. So he's a little nervous, but you can hear from Dave a little bit of anxiousness, a little bit of sadness, a little bit of being despondent about the whole situation. And rightfully so. He's doing everything in his power to do the right thing. And you'll hear that. It's an amazing conversation. Listen to it. Share it with everyone. And as you hear, I'm going to have Dave back on after carving season and after the summer season 
because this will be the first year with a wolf pack established that these cattlemen are going through the cycles of cow grazing and calving with a wolf pack nearby. Uh, how do I start, or when do you want me to start? Or? Well, it's a, that is a perfect start to a podcast that you've never, you've never been on a podcast before, Dave. No. Now, am I getting your last name right? Gittleson? Yeah, Gittleson. Gittleson. Look at that. A South African being able to say your last name correctly. Yeah. yeah. Most people can't. So. Well, people butcher my name all the time. It's in, in Mississippi when someone goes, how do you spell your name? I say Kroger, just like the supermarket. And they're like, oh, okay. I get it. I get it. Um, no, man. I uh, I don't even know who connected us. Uh, it's been... Um, Charlie. Charlie Pappas, right? Yeah, yeah, Charlie. Yeah, he Charlie said, "Man, you got to get you got to get Dave on your podcast because uh, he's got some interesting viewpoints uh, on something on a hot topic that is um, that's definitely hitting the airwaves right now." Would you agree or disagree with that statement? Yeah, no, the wolves are definitely they're all over. Um, everybody's talking about them. It's definitely consumed our lives so well let's do this before we go any further dave why don't you introduce yourself welcome to the blood origins podcast why don't you introduce yourself and tell us or tell the people who you are and what you do uh my name is dave gittleson i'm a rancher in northwest northern colorado uh we've recently <laughs> run into a bit of an issue with wolves that moved in and they've been you know it's the first first pups born in Colorado and the, all that. So they're, they're definitely under a microscope. A new cattle ranch. Is yeah. that what you do for yeah. a business? Yeah. We raise beef cattle. Um, we do some seed stock. We sell bulls, we sell heifers. Um, and then we do sell some beef and we, or some steers. And then we sell some beef on our own as a grass fed beef business. So, how many head do you typically run, Dave? Uh, right now we've got 180 mother cows. Okay. And, and I don't know, 30, 30 heifers and 30 bulls, something like that. Full-time business? Yeah, so I work, uh, I actually work in Steamboat about an hour and a half away from the ranch. My dad's there full-time. It, Yeah, it is a full-time deal. Family uh, business, right? Your dad started it, you're... you're coming in behind him yeah yeah it's me my dad my brother we've we've had cows i mean i've owned cows since i was eight so um we've had cows for a long time i don't know when my dad started it was 40 years ago something like that's when he started raising cows mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um his you know both my grandparents at one point or another raised horses or cows or whatnot so and in your part of Colorado, where you live right now, is it fairly open country, rural Colorado? So I live in Steamboat, which is just a ski area. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it, compared to like Denver, yes. But, okay. Um, and then Walden is very rural, where, which is where the ranch is. Um, gotcha. Very open. Uh, not 
not a lot of people there. Yeah, yeah. Did you grow up hunting? Lots of hunting around where you grew up? Yeah, yeah. I I don't hunt as much anymore. I used to hunt a lot when I was younger. Um, everybody in my family. I mean, I don't. I guess I don't know a rancher that doesn't hunt. So mm-hmm. um, it's pretty mm-hmm. common. I don't know. I don't do it as much as probably you do. Oh, I don't hunt at all, unfortunately. Everyone thinks that, oh, I fight for hunting every single day, and I fight for our hunting lifestyle every single day, but in 2021, I totaled it up. I hunted a total of three days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, usually I have beef in the freezer and that, so I don't need meat, so I don't usually, uh, I haven't hunted in quite a few years. I guided a couple of years ago uh, out there at the ranch. We do hunts we don't guide them anymore um it's just too time consuming we Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we just we don't have the time for it but we do we still let people go and hunt on the ranch and charge them for that that's part of our lease so sure of course that's just an additional revenue driver and into the ranch itself yeah yeah how big is the ranch dave Eleven thousand acres okay that's a pretty sizable chunk of land yeah it's it's yeah it's a pretty big area but you don't run cows on the entire area, or you do? No, we do. Um, there's cows on the whole area. It's some of it's kind of a irrigated 900 acres, which is where we keep keep them during the winter time. Um, it's where they're at right now. And then once summer hits, they go up on the mountain, and there's no fence on the top. I mean, they mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they don't go all the way up the mountain, but th- there's nothing restricting them up there. And you only have 130 head on 11,000 acres. 180 yeah so it's 180 Walden, sorry yeah walden's winter like seven months a year oh, okay. <laughs> sorry. Uh, we have you know there's only so much we have to grow hay in that down in the meadow so the most productive ground we don't really use most of the summer mm. because we needed to make the hay to get them through the winter mm. um so it's that's a lot of what restricts the amount of animals we can keep on it. We tried more to begin with, and then we had to kind of cut it back. Yeah, 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 100%. Well, I know everyone's like saying, well, Robbie, just freaking get to the, get to the topic, man. You know, get to the topic at hand. But I like to build suspense. I like to build a little bit of context. Um, Dave, let me ask you a couple of questions, because obviously this whole wolf situation is um, is happening. Yeah. Right? Um, so how about I just start with maybe, um, I don't know, like, I guess I don't, I guess I don't have to ask the question. What are your feelings about wolves? <laughs> well, it's not what you would think probably. Um, I don't, I don't like them around if that's what you mean. Um, you'll know. Notice- Yo, let me ask this. Are you, okay? let me ask this. Let me back out and, and back out and ask us a standard question, which I think is a very good question to ask of a rancher and of a hunter and of someone who loves wildlife. I'm a, that's a fair assumption, right? Yes. Um, do you want to see wolves eradicated from the landscape? No. I think we need to be aware of where we're putting them. You'll notice that everybody that's really big for supporting wolves and wanting wolves, and they, they don't have to live with them. Um. They do really good in northern Canada in areas where they're really remote. Um, we we have ranches around, people around. They spend a lot of time around our house. I mean, they they're not as afraid of people as 
as they would like you to think. Um, I haven't felt threatened. I don't want to hint that they're, you know, sure, sure. going after us, but they're definitely not that afraid of us. Um, they look for dogs. That's what they're usually looking for. They're coming around the house probably as much as anywhere in their in their entire territory. They spend probably the majority of their time around us and our neighbors' houses. So. so when did you know, let me back up a little bit further. Obviously, prior to the whole um, public ballot for reintroduction of wolves, there was, you know, it wasn't fake news. It wasn't unknown that there were wolves already in Colorado. Did yeah. Did you know that there were wolves already there? Yeah. There's been, uh, there's been a lot of individuals that have come down through Colorado over the last, I don't know, five or 10 years. Um, they hadn't really established a pack. And then I don't know if there's a fe- the female of the pack. She came, I don't know if she came before the vote or after the vote, but she was around there for two years. Um, really no problems with her. She, she didn't come too close to the house. She did go through the cows, but they weren't like, they weren't stirred up or anything. So she clearly didn't push them. She was just passing through. Um, and then the male showed up. Oh, 2000, 2020, 2021. Well, 2020 in the fall, our hunters saw him. And then mm-hmm. my dad and my nephew were out hunting and they saw him. Uh, at a distance, and then we saw their tracks side by side coming down the driveway. So we called CPW, and they caught him and they collared him. Uh, at the time, they thought the the female that was there originally they thought she was a male. Um, she had a collar, but something something was wrong there. Probably they just did the paperwork wrong in Yellowstone or something. Okay. So, so both then the thought, male and the female were collared at the time. Yeah, yeah. And so then they thought they had two males, which. Then they started denning up in that, and they, they finally decided to do some investigating. And Yeah, it, the one that was there to begin with was a female. When the male showed up, they really started coming around the house a lot, and I don't know if it was because there was two wolves instead of one or if they said the ones that have, have gotten into livestock before, they don't forget that. They kind of mm-hmm. keep doing it. So I don't know if he had been in livestock before where he came from or – if it was just because there was two wolves, but really they started becoming problematic when he showed up. Um, and when you say problematic, oh, you you're talking about them just taking cows. So they've taken cows, obviously. They hadn't killed any at that point. That okay. I don't think two of them would still struggle to get a cow. They were definitely the cows are a lot more riled up and nervous. Um, so they had been testing them or pushing them. Uh, we had about 30 chickens go away one night. <laughs> I don't know that it was wolves, but any other predator in the area that kills chickens, it, it, it wasn't them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but they're, they're, and they're more time around the house, really. And they, they killed a deer, like one night they killed a deer. There's four of us in the house. They, they took the deer down like 100 yards from the house. I mean, they were hunting around mm-hmm. where we live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the male that came in? So, what for context sake? Where? How many wolves are there right now? You you started talking male and a female. I'm assuming there's well, more. Yeah. Right? So now there's they had pups last April. They had six pups. 
So then there was eight. Um, they just got big enough to really start hunting this this fall and win early winter. Gotcha. Um, so there's eight, and then there's another one I know I caught on a game camera that's not involved with that pack that is, I think, come and moved out. And then I've heard they some other people have seen different ones that are not involved. There's probably in North Park or Walden area, there's probably, I don't know, 10 or 11 wolves. Mm-hmm. Um, the eight on our place, I think one of the pups has now moved on. Okay. And gone somewhere else. So when we, the first night we had a cow killed, it was, uh, what was that December, December right 20th? Yes, yeah, December, no, December 22nd. 22nd. Um, we didn't know how many were there. There's a lot of tracks around him. It was, it was pretty obvious it was a wolf kill. Sure. Uh, and then later, somewhere around January, less than a month later, is when they they chased one, chased some down into a draw. And my parents woke up and saw six wolves leaving the draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then they went to check to see what was going on. And there was a cow down there. She was all tore up. They didn't kill her. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tore her up real bad, though. Um, and then they had gotten her down. They got. They also had an elk down in the draw. And they got another cow, and they chewed on her a little bit, and they killed a coyote down mm-hmm. in the draw. So they they sort of went to town <laughs> that night, I guess. So let me ask this from a logistical question, logistical perspective: Does is CPW or is it Fish and Wildlife Service or is it USDA or all three? Because we do know that there's compensation mechanisms, right, for people that have cows taken. Is that in place right now in Colorado? Not really. Uh, so it's it's CPW that we're dealing with on it. Um, they have agreed to compensation on on uh, the ones that we got. They haven't come with a term on how they're going to do compensation moving forward. They you think that would have to be part of the management plan, right? That they this whole reintroduction management plan, you'd have to think that there would be some compensation. Yeah, so they... They've looked into it uh, since we had ones killed. What was concerning to me is they they knew they weren't ready for it, which makes sense. You know, they they weren't ready to reintroduce them either, but they weren't even at step one, you know, mm-hmm. they hadn't started. So they're compensating them like a kill from another animal, which, which will work. Um, we haven't got paid yet, but they've agreed. So in your mind, do you think what they've agreed to right now is adequate? No. Why uh, don't you say it's adequate? So to prove that one was killed by a wolf, it's pretty much a murder investigation. I mean, they go out there, they check tracks, they measure tracks, they skin them back, they check for bruising. Um, we well, if we don't find that animal within a day or two, which when they're out on the mountain, we won't necessarily, we won't be able to prove anything. Mm-hmm. Um, we, if people keep saying they're like any other predator. They're not. And I, maybe grizzly bears. I've never been around grizzly bears, but in 30 years, we've maybe lost two animals to mountain lions, none to bears. Mm-hmm. And in one month we lost three to wolves. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, they seem to kill at a higher rate and and they kill they killed ones that they didn't eat mm-hmm. um or you know well they didn't kill her we had to put her down but she was she was pretty much going to be she was gone mm-hmm. uh they eat a lot so it, the first one they killed was 600 pounds they pretty much they pretty much ate her in one night so if we have an animal killed on the mountain we're not going to know we're not going to be able right. to Right, right. Um, for the time being, I'm okay with, you know, I realize they got to get their paperwork together, but there's going to be animals lost that we can't prove. Um, last year we lost, we had, before the wolf showed up, we had three, three animals die. Uh, two of from them. What, was, from what causes? Do you one know? of them was probably high altitude sickness. The other okay. two we don't know. Okay. The year before, we had one die from lightning. Uh, year before, I don't know that we lost any. So we don't usually lose a lot of cows. Um, we find them one way or another. Lightning lightning strikes, usually we find them. Predators don't seem to like to eat them once they, if they've been hit by lightning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do a lot of testing and that to check. We, we do blood pressure, basically. It's a pulmonary artery pressure to check for high-altitude disease. Every one of our animals has been tested twice. So we don't really lose many of that. Mm-hmm. We don't lose them to predators. Lightning is usually our biggest. So uh, essentially what you've done is you've eliminated all the things that potentially could be killing cattle. And now yeah. we're left with this idea that, hey, we're losing cattle now. Yeah, now we're losing more. more. <laughs> uh, and lightning takes one a year mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i've never i don't think we've ever lost more than one a year maybe two but not not like you know like i said those the wolves killed three in a month and they're we've since they killed the third one we've been in the cows every single night mm-hmm. uh, all night so just because they haven't killed anymore doesn't mean they weren't coming back to because mm-hmm. the the first one and then they waited about you know, a little less than a month. They tore the ones up down in the draw. They came back the very next night, killed one. They ate on her, ate about half of her. And then the next night we were out in the cows and I watched them. They came down, they walked right past the carcass uh, and we're heading towards the cows. It's, they could tell, uh, you know, I was out there in a truck. They could tell I was there from ways away. So they kind of veered off. Mm-hmm. I saw two of them uh, and then the GPS tracker on the mail he was in the area and then there was tracks for two of them behind the house. Um, so they were kind of looping around. I don't know how to lay it out, but they're kind of split up and we're looping around to where. How do you get the GPS data? Is that CPW giving you the GPS data? Yeah, they have it. Um, I don't know where they're getting it. They get it from someone else. I can't remember who actually has it. Uh, it uploads the GPS data be used to, cross-pollinate essentially cross-correlate exactly where the wolf is is it pinging every hour is it pinging every minute what do we know every four hours it pings every four hours and it uploads every three days so it's really not that mm. helpful mm. the other thing is they they have tried that the cpw in the area the the guys in our area have been very helpful they've been trying to really get things sorted sure, out sure. they were trying to stop this problem before it started uh, they applied for 
you know, we have flags around them and different, different tools to try to keep wolves out. They applied for those this last April and, uh, their higher ups in the Denver area kind of shut that down because there wasn't mm. a problem yet. Well, once there's a problem, once they learn to kill cows, it doesn't, it doesn't right. stop. Right. Um, so they, they've been helpful. They, they tried telling us one night, they said, you know, right if we put the flags up, they're like, they told my dad, you know, they'll be back in, you know, two days. They, they were up in Wyoming at the time. He said, they'll be back in, in a day or two. So, you know, get, get some sleep. And they came back that night. Mm-hmm. So I wonder you know, how much it would cost for them to activate those specific GPS collars. It's just logistically, right? I'm just thinking from a science perspective, from a data acquisition perspective, being able to get those collars to ping every 30 minutes, every 15 minutes, so that you can acquire the data from a kill perspective. So my understanding is um, they set the collar when they put it on the wolf. I did ask him that. I said, why didn't you, you know, so they set it when they put it on the wolf and that's affects the battery life. That makes sense. Of the makes collar. Sense. So, Complete sense. And I don't know what the batteries cost. The collars are like five grand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the, big, yeah, the biggest thing is they, uh, you can't catch them twice. <laughs> they, you saw in the news that they recently collared the, one of the pups. I don't know if you saw it or not. Mm-mm. They had an article, they collared one of the pups. And um, the reason they collared the pup is they were the females collar was an older collar and it, it went bad so they were trying to put a fresh collar on her get a new one on her and they couldn't they couldn't dart her from an airplane or anything like they couldn't catch her with a plane Jeez. um and trapping's illegal in colorado so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and i've heard from other people that in different areas that have talked to wolves that have reached out to or they've dealt with wolves that have reached out to us that if you ever trap one and let it go, you'll never see it again. You'll never catch it again. So even CPW is not allowed to use trapping for collaring purposes, for scientific purposes. I don't want to directly be quoted on that because I don't know. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. It just makes it. I know you would for think sure. that they would have all the tools available to them from a wildlife research perspective. Well, so they CPW has to answer the governor, and he kind of takes their tools away. So mm-hmm. he hasn't been. Uh, mm-hmm. We weren't allowed to haze the wolves until they killed three of them, three cows. We couldn't chase them. We couldn't put flags up. We couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, I know it wasn't his intention, but he he basically doomed all these animals to, now that's what they do. And eventually those pups are going to branch off into different packs. And they're probably going to do what that male did for us. They're going to teach another pack to do it and mm-hmm. probably my my best guess would be thanks to the governor every wolf pack we have in the state's going to learn to do that or mm-hmm. at least in our area so um, let's go back to the original question that i asked you which is one that you you still want to see wolves on the landscape though dave i don't want to see them around our area and i would be i think now once they've learned to hunt cows they don't unlearn it mm-hmm. so it would need to be a different pack. Mm-hmm. I think they need to be hunted. Um, mm-hmm. cause if, if they're not, 
they sort of lose their fear of people. And they start, well, as you're experiencing right now, yeah. they don't have actually a fear of you or the homestead or anything yeah. tied to any human presence. And I know people are worried about hunting them, but I think the success rate in Idaho for hunting, not trapping, is less than 1%. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, and it probably the hunting itself is enough to keep them afraid of people. Um, yeah, you would hope so, right? You would think that habituation you know yeah. from a wolf perspective is something that could be used as a management tool to sort of as you said if if again i don't know the data i don't know the science when it comes to wolves and eating cows and cattle and it, it, it's almost it it could make sense what you're saying because it's almost like lions and man-eating lions once they get a taste for humans and how easy humans are and how soft they are yeah. um they, they tend to be man eaters for life kind of deal. So we've, what I've learned throughout this process is, you know, we've talked to a lot of people, USDA's come in, they've been helping us. Um, I've talked to some of the pro wolf organizations and, and people involved in that. Some have volunteered to come help watch cows. That's uh, nice. At night. So, um, you know, I'm not going to. That's certainly a burden off you, right? Not being able to have to stay up all night. It is, but they don't, you know, they're not there every night and they usually we, we do half the shift. Um, so we're still getting four or five hours of sleep a night. Um, it is, and I, you know, at first I was kind of thinking it is sort of, you know, they're the ones that wanted the wolves and they want them to stay alive. So they need to keep them out of trouble. Um, you know, they keep saying it's the ranchers deal to protect the cows. Well, ranchers will protect their cows, but you're not going to like how we do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I don't want to, I really don't want to get, go down that road. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, but there's, from talking to USDA, they've dealt with this issue in Montana, Wyoming, Oregon. Once they kill cows, they don't stop. And there's, they said you can shoot one, they'll go away for a couple weeks and they'll come back. The whole pack at this point will not stop. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's something that you need to Colorado was really passive and aggressive about protecting them but and 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 that and keeping us from hazing them or anything like that and really it's something you need to stop before it starts um, them getting into cattle and that because once they learn it's an easy one cow is about four elks worth of meat mm-hmm. um it's a fattier meat. It's going to have more energy, and they're a lot easier to catch. A uh, cow has the lung size of an elk, and they're four times the size. Mm-hmm. Well, m- four times the muscle mass. They're about three times the size. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let me sum- summarize what I've heard you say. Number one, you're okay with wolves in the landscape. Two, they don't have – but I don't want them around where we live. Yeah. And messing with essentially your livelihood. Yeah. So they, and I don't, when I say I don't mind them on the landscape, I don't mind wolves existing. You know, I don't, I don't you're think. Not, we, you're not after complete extermination like yeah, people I don't say. Think, yeah, I don't think we need to exterminate them. I, you know, they're doing, they're all right in Yellowstone. Um, they keep, you know, a lot of people talk about all the good they've done in Yellowstone, but like 
our national park in in Colorado over by Estes, they won't let them drop them there when they go to reintroduce them. So if they're doing so good, why don't they want more of them? <laughs> is kind of what I want to know, you know? Um, right. Or very selective in where they are. Yeah. So I think they do fine. You know, and I've explained that when we talk, I do enjoy talking to some of the pro wolf people. It's good to hear somebody else's perspective of it and, and know what, you know, where they're coming from. You'll never be able to solve really any problem if you don't hear the other person's side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you say to that pro wolf individual when they say, we don't want you killing any wolves? <laughs> they better figure out a way to get rid of them, man, or get them out of there. We're trying. I mean, we're trying to do everything we can to not have to shoot them. We're trying to keep them out. Um, right now, it seems you know it seems to be working, but they're for one, we're out there every night, which isn't sustainable. Mm-hmm. They've been helping off and on. Um, if they were there every night, it would. I don't know if that would even do it because sooner or later the snow is going to melt, the cows are going to spread out. Oh, you guys have not. Let's let's let's. That's a very good point. You've not had a summer season with the pack. With cows on the mountain with the pack. No. Wow. So, or calving season, which is what we've been told is going to be calving season on the mountain. No, calving season's down in the meadows, but they're in such they're in a, about forty or fifty acres right now. And there's a lot of things that go with wolves that they don't really, you know, people don't recognize. Um, we're, they're in like a feedlot situation, which isn't really good for the cows. It's It makes them, it can cause sickness in that. We haven't mm-hmm. had any problem with it yet. Mm-hmm. So it's also ruining part of the hay meadow. You know, they're in a tight area and they're all crapping in the same spot. day. But in that's day just from, from a winter condition perspective, right? Yeah, and that's winter condition. So they're in a tighter area than we'd like them to be. Once they start calving, they're going to need to spread out. Um, Are they in a tighter condition, tighter area right now because of the wolves? Yes. Okay. Well, completely. Yeah, we had to move them out of the pasture that the last two were killed in. We had to move them out of there. They didn't want to go back. You know, they a bunch of them went through the fence, got pushed through the fence by the wolves. They didn't want to go back in there anyways. Mm. Um, but we had to move them out of there. We had to cut one of our other pastures in half with the flagery. Um, it's... The flagery is like four thousand dollars a mile, and if they, um, if our cows break it, we have to pay for it, and it's not something that's going to hold cows very well. Why do you have that up again? That's the flag stuff for wolves. Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to keep, and it worked the first night with no one out in there in them. It did deter them the first night. Um, they're not really. And afraid you had of to it. fit the bill. No, so right now it's donated. Um, okay. We don't keep it. Uh, Montana gave us most of it, and then uh, okay. one of the wolf organizations, Defenders of Wildlife. Yeah, so you didn't pay 4000 a mile. No. Okay. No. But the problem is, if our cows get into it, we do, uh, we do pay that. Gotcha. Um, so once the snow melts, they're going to start moving, and that's inevitably going to happen. We're going to have to take it down. Um, they're going to be in a bigger area that's harder to to defend they've already come up to like when we were out in the cows they came up to our corrals with the yearlings in that that are in them trying to find a way in the corrals and they seem to 
when they approach a fence the first couple times they they don't cross it they kind of they're pretty mm-hmm. smart animals you know they they try to figure it out and then they they come back after it later mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so they're uh once we go out to calving though they're going to spread out they can't be in 40 acres it wouldn't be healthy we'd lose a lot of animals to sickness um so when does calving start april 15th and uh, do you still have snow on the ground april 15th not very much just off and on okay so they'll potentially be out in a pasture yeah they're going to be out in a 200 acre pasture um so they'll, they'll be out there we'll have people out there to watch them but like i said usda has been helping us and they're going to provide i think they're going to provide a range rider to help us she's done it before but she said that they're uh they still find a way around people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Once you get into a bigger area and you start calving, they find a way in. Um, and that'll be the same thing as what I was talking about earlier is being able to prove it. Um, you know, calves are, are 60 to 100 pounds at birth. They'll make that disappear in the night. I mean, mm-hmm. um, the other thing is their compensation plan for that is to pay the value of the animal at the time. So a newborn calf is worth about $200 at no extra cost or hassle to us. It will get to weaning and be worth $1,500. Mm-hmm. So I don't really want to get paid for a $200 calf. Sure. That, you know. Yeah. That it becomes a, a $1,500 calf without much um, yeah, without any economic. Yeah. You are yeah. not you're not putting much money into that, into that calf itself. And the other thing that when, you know, I see the comments on uh, online and that and people saying, well, you know, it's not a big deal. You're getting paid for it. Well, that animal wasn't for sale. You know, we, you know, we raised, we need replacement cows. We need, we raised bulls and stuff like that, you know, and there's, they're taking pregnant cows and that. I don't know what she has in them, but if it's a bull, it could be worth $5,000. Um, sure, the other sure. thing is it's hard to find animals that can handle the altitude that we're at. We're at 8,000 feet. Um, they're not easy to replace. And there's a reason we still have them there. They're not for sale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, man, I just, uh, just thinking about, you know, you got all the efforts that you're putting in right now and then the headaches, heartaches that potentially are coming with calving season and then letting cows loose on the mountain. Yeah. Man. No, we're not looking forward to it. Um I don't know. They said sometimes sometimes they kind of let off during hunting season cuz they like to go and take um gut piles that hunters left. Um they said in the summertime they'll follow mountain lions around and mm-hmm. steal their kills. Mm-hmm. Um They'll probably still kill cows. Um I that's one thing a conversation I had with a guy is you know, the, everyone that talks to us about it, that's a wolf expert, talks about uh, what they did in Yellowstone. Well, I'm, I would bet a fair amount of money that they didn't kill any cows in Yellowstone. Like, this isn't Yellowstone. Yep, yep. <laughs> they're a very intelligent animal. They're going to adapt to whatever environment they're in. Mm-hmm. This is a different environment. They're going to behave differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but they... Yeah, I just, 
that's kind of one of the conversation. A lot of the conversations I've had with them is is it's just you know it's a different environment. They're going to behave differently, and this is as of right now, one hundred percent of the packs in Colorado are killing cows. Mm-hmm. So your calving season starts April fifteenth. When is calving season, quote unquote, over? Is it a month? It's a little over a month. It's about okay. six weeks. Okay. Uh, they're going to have their pups at the same time. Uh, and their den is fairly close mm-hmm. to where we're at. So they're going to be around the area mm-hmm. all time until the pups, the new set of pups get bigger. Um, the reason I'm asking the question is this, is that number one, you've been a phenomenal first podcast individual and you can ha- you can, you can tell how, how, how weighty this is on you. Um, what, you know, the, the toll that it's taking on you and the, the struggle that you have, because like you're, you're essentially handcuffed with one hand behind your back yeah, and you're trying to figure out the best solution possible for both, for, for, for everyone's outcomes. And you're, and you're, you're saying, I'll, I'll do what you want me to do. But at the end of the day, you have to help me. Yeah. Um, so number one, thank you. Thank you for being so honest and authentic, uh, because I think people listening to this are going to be like, wow, okay, this, um, you can hear it. You can hear that it's almost not sadness, but and it's not desperation and it's not, um, it, it's almost a mixture of, of all of that put together. Um, what I'd like, Dave, if, if you're amenable to it, is that I'd like you to do this again, May the 15th-ish. May the yep. post carving season. Yeah, we'll see how see how it goes. Just do a check in with you post carving season, and then do a check in after the summer season. Once yep. the cows are up and you've brought them back down, um, get a count on them, and just get like, hey, what happened? You know, a a, a sort of real factual, hey, this is what what we saw out there. Yeah, I'd be willing to do that. Um, I know there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk about about wolves. I mean, they're, I'm not gonna say they're the worst animal in the world. They're, they're definitely an interesting creature. Um, they stir up a lot of emotion in people. Um, it surprises me why the people that are are very pro. You know the animal rights are so protective of wolves. They're compared to other predators. They're a very brutal predator. Um, you know they the the animals they killed. They rip them out from the rear end. They don't really go for a clean kill. Um, and that's really other than the amount of animals they kill. That's really the biggest problem we have with them. Is um, you know we raise animals to eat, but until until we're ready to slaughter them they're are they're under our care you know um and i don't <laughs> sorry i don't like seeing them get tore up um mm-hmm. you know at least a clean kill would be nice you know mm-hmm. so i it really surprises me that they they're so big on animal rights and the ranchers are so mean to their animals and they really push this animal that's 
you know, I don't hate it for it, but it's, it's to be honest, it's, it's a very brutal animal. Mm-hmm. Very, uh, and they don't, they don't just kill what they need to eat. <laughs> you know, they, they train their pups. It'd be, you know, they're the same as like you, when you go hunting, do you, the first time you went hunting, did you just walk out there and think you're going to shoot something or did you, you sight your gun in? Did you, you practice? Mm-hmm. You know, they, mm-hmm. they do the same thing. They train their pups. They go out and practice. Mm-hmm. So that's, I don't necessarily blame them for doing that, but a lot of the stuff coming up to the boat in Colorado was really pointing away from them doing that. And that's exactly what they do. And I know we've had, like, we had to have a news crew come back out because they, they got enough complaints that wolves were put in a bad light. Um, and we haven't said, you know, you're the first one I told about the chickens. I, we really don't try to blame the wolves for anything they didn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are, they're not, they're not like a cat. They're not, you know, they don't kill clean. Sure. Sure. Well, man, uh, you know, again, you can hear it in your voice and you can hear it in the tenor of, of what, how, how you speak about them. And, um, and obviously what your, your animals mean to you, your stewards of those animals, even though they're meant for, they're, they're grown for meat and they're grown, you know, to be slaughtered. It's a very ethical mechanism by which that, that that's taken care of. Uh, so Dave, thank you, man. Yeah, no problem. Uh, there is one thing I want to say I, on some of the podcasts I listened to. <laughs> I don't mean to call you out, but I some of your guests and had said that, uh, and I'm not against hunting, but they said hunting's the only way to know where your food comes from and you don't know where your steak comes from. That is a choice. Absolutely. We always make it open to anybody if you want to come out to the ranch and see. Um, my dad loves talking about his cows, probably especially now because he's tired of talking about wolves. Uh, he, you know, it costs more to buy straight from a rancher because we – you know, people don't like feedlots, but that's the cheapest way to do it. And we can't compete with their prices. But if you want to know where your meat comes from, go go to a rancher in your area and figure out where it comes from. <laughs> no, you, you and and please don't um, don't ever hesitate to call me out. <laughs> yeah, because that's that what we the, are here for. That was the only thing I had on your podcast that I wanted to correct you on or, or say something about I, I agree with what you're doing I like what you're doing um, I think you guys have a good cause and, and really in a fair way getting the message out not just pointing a finger and saying everyone's stupid and 100% you just gotta you gotta give them the facts and it is sad that people don't know where food comes from mm-hmm. totally agree totally agree I want to tell you about um, we don't often get called out but the first person that called me out was a rancher down in Florida. Oh. His name was Fred Fanese. He was the head of the one of the heads of the Cattlemen's Association down there. Okay. And uh, I'm going to send you Fred's podcast. I podcasted with Fred. And it's phenomenal. And you're absolutely right that there are there are people like yourselves, like Fred, like many, many, many ranchers out there that are doing it the right way that care for the animals and that the the beef chickens pork yeah 
are sourced as ethically as you possibly can. And that's a great way to source your meat as well. Um, but no, absolutely continue to call me out, man. Because, uh, and don't feel bashful about it. <laughs> and I appreciate you even bringing it up. I really, really do. Um, well, yeah, no, that's, that was, that was the only thing I wanted to make a point to say. <laughs> I like uh, it. But I, yeah, no, I do agree with most of what you're saying on your, on your podcast. And I, you know, it, I think you've had some good conversations. I've listened to probably about a dozen of them now. Well, that's awesome. Well, Dave, you're the man. Um, keep us informed. Let us know if I can do anything for you. Blood Origins is built for you. So if there's anything I can do message-wise, anything, please let me know, okay? All right. Well, I'll uh, probably be in touch with you all. If you want, I can let you know if there's any more. Absolutely. Let us know. And then we'll connect on uh, getting you back on around uh, May 15th-ish, 20th-ish. That works. All right, my man. All right, thank you. Ciao. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. <laughs>